Welcome, I'm Janine Pettit, girl camping ambassador, blogger, adventurist, and podcaster, and this is episode 174 of Girl Camper, the podcast. On this week's show, my guest is award-winning radio and TV host, Alan Taylor. Alan is a 30-plus year broadcast veteran and one of the world's foremost experts in all things auto. Think Julia Child in the culinary world? Well, that's Alan in the auto world. His radio show, The Drive, can be heard on over 500 stations nationwide. He also hosts the popular Entrepreneur Weekly podcast for Entrepreneur Magazine and has worked with so many brands from Motor Trend, Car and Driver, Inc. Magazine, and Popular Science. He's been featured as an auto expert on Live with Kelly and Ryan, as well as countless other appearances on CBS, CNN, Fox, NBC, and the Speed Channel. He's full of energy and knowledge, and since Alan is also an avid RVer, I wanted to invite him on the show to talk about mid-size SUVs and crossovers that have a towing capacity of at least 5,000 pounds. He's on the show today talking about towing and what's new in the world of mid-size SUVs and light trucks. Stay tuned. Hello, my name is Janine Pettit and I'm a girl camper. I go places and do things with other adventurous and curious women. We camp like girls in tents, vans, travel trailers, motorhomes, and even cars. We travel solo and in groups to girl camping gatherings, large and small, to bucket list destinations with friends or on our own to wherever the wind blows us. On this show, we'll talk about the qualities of a girl camper and how you can be a girl camper too. The girl campers are having a party and you're invited. Stay tuned while we share what's happening on the back roads of America the Beautiful. Today's episode is brought to you by our consortium of girl camper friendly RV dealerships. General RV with 12 locations in the U.S., Setzer's World of Camping in Huntington, West Virginia, and Bankston Motorhomes with three locations in Alabama and two in Tennessee. Also providing sponsorship are our friends at Kempco Manufacturing, makers of over 4,000 products for your RV, boat, and tailgating needs. And of course, Liberty Outdoors, manufacturers of the award-winning Max and Mini Max travel trailers. Thank you, Girl Camper Sponsors, for allowing me to bring great RV content to outdoor enthusiasts everywhere. Before we chat with Alan, I have a message from our friends at Campco. Campco, you know Campco, they make things. They make things for people who go places and do things. People like Girl Campers. They have expanded their Life is Better at the Campsite product line. They've got hats and t-shirts and dishes and stainless steel drinkware and bamboo cutting boards and tables and camp kitchens. I have so many beautiful items from Campco, but not only are they beautiful, they're practical and durable. Campco has perfected form and function. They make things that we love and they make them to last. One of the things I use every single week, even when I'm not camping, is Campco's 30-ounce tumbler. It's an everyday product that I enjoy taking camping with me, too. I never leave the house without filling this thing up with water and sticking it in my cup holder. 
This is one of their Life is Better at the Campsite products. It's a stainless steel design, double-walled insulation, so it's not going to sweat and get all gooey in your car. It has extreme durability. It has a plastic lid that snaps on the top, and it has a gasket in it, so it never, ever leaks. I have the 30-ounce size. These things are made out of 18-8 stainless steel. If you're a stainless steel person, you know that that's good. It's BP-free. BPA-free. Comes in four colors. I have the one with the pretty mountain design. It costs $24.29 on Amazon. And I got to tell you my little tumbler story. I stopped at a gas station last year on my way to Colorado. I filled that thing up with ice. I poured water in it and the ice would not melt. You know, usually you fill it ice with glass and then you drink the melted ice. I couldn't get any water because the ice would not melt, even when I took the cap off. Finally got to my campground, went to sleep, woke up in the morning, took the lid off that thing in my car. It was still full of ice. So if you want one that really holds the heat and holds the cold, this is the one for you. So thank you, Campco, for coming on board and always helping out our girl campers. We'll be back in a minute with Alan. Welcome back, everybody. I am here with Alan Taylor, nationally syndicated host of The Drive Radio Show. I asked Alan to come on the show today because one of the questions I get all the time is, please, please, Janine, tell me what kind of mid-sized tow vehicle can I, I can buy. So not everybody wants to have a truck. And so I'm always thinking, okay, 5,000 pound tow capacity. You get somebody with a little teardrop trailer, a 3,000 pound lightweight towable, and a 5,000 pound tow package should be able to do that if you don't go crazy loading up your, um, with all kinds of gear. So I've asked Alan to come on the show today to tell us all about that mid-size SUV crossover with 5,000 pound minimum. Alan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Janine. Thank you. And I, I happen to be an avid outdoor person. Um, I've always been a motorhome or camper or trailer type person. Um, I have four kids, and usually that means I have four extra kids because each one has a friend. <laughs> and they all want to go, you know, to the beach, to the dunes, to the to the rivers, to the mountains, wherever they can possibly get away from school or, or housework, <laughs> you know. But, yeah, getting out and having some fun is really important to me and my family. And now with two grandbabies this year. I saw your grandbabies. <laughs> they are right? so cute. Yeah, thanks. I know you're so, enjoying this stage of life. So where do you want to start? Because there's a lot of good stuff out there. Okay, so, you know, I looked at it and I said, all right, so we can talk about it. But, but before we talk about it, Alan, we've got to talk about what some of these terms mean. Because I know some of them myself, because I I can't say I'm an, an auto expert by any stretch, but I have learned a few things. But I want to go over some of these terms so we can have an understanding of what they mean when we're looking at them. So sure, can you sure, start sure. by um, defining a few things for us? Well, I, I have to imagine, you know, a lot of people look at liters, you know, like a 3.6 liter, 3.8 liter. Um, the, the engine is usually measured by displacement. For the gearheads, we understand that the liters or the cubic centimeters um, is the displacement of the total volume of all the cylinders of the engine. And what does that really mean? Um, I, I look at it like, 
<laughs> yeah, it's like um, each cylinder is about uh, like the size of a coffee can. And if you go these days to the store, you can buy the one gallon coffee can, you can buy the one quart coffee can, or you can buy even a smaller one, maybe a pint. And those are kind of like your leaders. Those are the size of the cylinders in essence. So um, you buy a big engine has a lot of leaders, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so really, it's just the engine size. It's like when you go to the grocery store, you buy a gallon of milk, you're buying a whole lot. You get a lot of liters, you're getting a whole lot of engine. So, uh, but, and I don't know how much it really matters to the average person because they go, how many miles to the gallon does it get? That's all. Or That's how much they can I know. tow? Right? Yeah. Exactly. The two things. So, but when I see something that says 2.3 liter engine or 6.4 liter engine, I think I must be getting a bigger and more powerful engine if I go 6.4. Well, this is true. And you're also going to have to pay for them what they call pay for them ponies because the more <laughs> horsepower the more engine and it's gonna eat more fuel. So all those things are taken into consideration when you go and ask for more liters, you know? Oh. Um, but, but it's interesting because I just happened to be looking up some information on the Ford Explorer for new for 2020. They have the new EcoBoost 2.3 liter engine, which actually has a towing capacity of 5,300 pounds. Now, 2.3 is the little one, right? That's the Yay. four cylinder, right? To be able to tow 5,300 pounds, which is more than some of the, the uh, tow ratings of the V6 engines. And even, you know, it used to be uh, the V8 engines were so, they were so um, burdened with smog equipment that they would hardly tow 5,000 pounds. But the new Ford Explorer with the 2.3 liter turbocharged or EcoBoost engine tows 5,300 pounds. So they have become engineering masters and they've made small engines be able to tow a lot with the right transmission because now Ford and General Motors have gotten together and worked up a V, uh, sorry, a, a 10 speed transmission, which you have more gears, just like when you hear the big semis. If you've ever been to a, next to a big semi on the road and they go, burr, 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 yeah. burr, and you're like, gosh, how many, how many uh, gears does it have? Some of those big trucks, when they tow a lot, they have 15 gears. Okay. And the reason is you're, you want to use all the horsepower that that engine has, but you don't want to make it strain real hard, so you use the gears. So it's, it's component matching, lots of gears, with a small horsepower engine and you can do a lot. But you know, then you say, well, what is EcoBoost? And what is turbocharging? Well, you know, these are things we should all probably know. And if you're shopping for a car and you hear the word turbo and you go, I don't even know what a turbocharge is. Well, a turbocharger is an added on part that you know you see on a lot more vehicles these days, hence the Ford using actually their own term, EcoBoost, which means turbocharge. It's an add-on part that uses the recycled exhaust gases to increase power. So what it does, it oddly enough, it uses the exhaust of the engine, has a little turbine in there, the exhaust spins the turbine, and it actually boosts the car, it adds more horsepower. So you can take a four-cylinder engine like Ford's EcoBoost, uh, four-cylinder, and it adds that much more power to it, so it's, it gives it a boost of power. And Ford calls it an EcoBoost because you're still using a four-cylinder engine, which gets good fuel economy, probably 25 miles to the gallon, I would imagine. And you're able to tow 5,300 pounds. It's amazing. I got to tell you, it really is amazing. Uh, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want a four-cylinder. 
Subaru is another vehicle that has four cylinders and it can tow, uh, let's see, their rating is between two and 5,000 pounds. Five being the, the top, top number for their 2.4 liter uh, turbocharged four cylinder. Um, but you know, it's, you said it before, there's, there's a lot of terms here we should probably talk about, like dry weight and wet weight. And you were, you know, you and I were talking in the, before the show. A lot of people think, well, my trailer weighs 3,500 pounds, so I can easily tow it with a vehicle that has a 5,000 pound capacity. Right. But That's a common the, thought. Right. And there's something called dry weight and there's something called wet weight. Dry weight is without the water in the holding tank, which you're going to take a shower if you've got a trailer. So you're going to put, you know, a lot of water, which water weighs a lot. And you're going to put all your stuff in there, you know, your six packs of beer. I've seen how many six packs you take. Oh, but, yeah. <laughs> me, me. Now, you know, Ellen, I go by barrels. <laughs> oh, barrel, that's right, kegs. I forgot about that. But you start adding, you know, um, you, you call this a wet weight. You add all that weight to it and then all of your stuff, which my wife, when she goes, she takes two or three suitcases with her. And I go, just, you need shorts and socks and underwear and let's right. go. It's, oh no, we may go out in, in, in nine, you know, jackets and sweaters and hats and scarves. But anyway, you, you put all your stuff in there and all of a sudden you're approaching the, the maximum limit of that vehicle, uh, to tow. So you really have to be considerate of all the stuff. Cause you know, I mean, seriously, fishing gear, right. all it your all adds up. gear. It adds up fast, too. Do you have a uh, ratio that you have in your mind? Like, I always want people to stay at 80-20. Like, don't go any further than 80% of what your capacity is. I even like to go under that. But do you have yeah, a number? I, well, I think it's really, really, a, that's a good number. Because what will happen is the first time you, you go out in that vehicle and you're going down a big, you know, a lot of people go to the mountains. Mm-hmm. And they want to go, you know, to the lake or whatever. You And, you know, you're going when you're going up, you're having to pull and that's straining everything it's got to go up the hill. But when you're going down, uh, that's a whole another story, because now that weight starts to push you around and you get a white knuckle driving experience out of going down some of these mountain passes. If your trailer weighs too much, man, oh, man, it wants to push you right off the street. Right. So. I like your uh, your analogy here, 80-20. And they say, uh, too, I've heard people say this multiple times, people in the RV world, it's not so much what you can tow, it's what you can stop. Right, exactly. The brakes. You don't want to overheat your brakes and right, all so, that kind of stuff. So, yes, I, I, I like your analogy. I think that if you are towing 80% of the capacity, you're probably, you know, towing a little more than you should be already. Yeah, because, I think so, too. Yep. Yeah. But nobody wants to go to the max. Well, I want to talk to you about that Ford Explorer for a minute because this the new Ford Explorer is coming out. It's been completely redesigned for the first time in like 10 years or 15 years, something like that. It's like, this ain't your daddy's Ford Explorer. Everybody I knew had a Ford Explorer 10 years ago. You know, I swear to you, we should do a follow-up because tomorrow I'm going to Portland, Oregon mm-hmm. to drive the new 2020 Ford Explorer. And you know they're making this one also with a hybrid. Yeah. And uh, this, by the way, the Ford Explorer has been like 25 years as the best-selling SUV. And... Um, the, the the EcoBoost again. Ford is big with their EcoBoost engines. They they make I several have it of them. I have it in mine. I have the um, F one hundred and fifty with the. It's a V six with an EcoBoost. Yep. 
Yep, and it's they're fantastic. EcoBoost just is basically saying turbocharged. Mm-hmm. But uh, the new 2020 Ford Explorer with the three-liter EcoBoost is able to tow 5,600 pounds, which is a 12% increase over last year's 2019 with the bigger engine, believe it or not. So the smaller three-liter EcoBoost will tow more by 12% than last year's 3.5 EcoBoost. So all that's telling you, because it can get confusing, is that they keep refining and improving this EcoBoost engine that they have and the turbochargers get smaller and smaller i'm going to say the turbochargers are about if you make a fist they're not much bigger than your fist in, in used to be turbochargers were big honking things and so they're making these amazing little really efficient turbochargers that are lasting a long time uh used to be you would hear things, so for the gearheads, they would say, oh, you don't want to buy a turbocharged anything because there was problems on top of problems. Mm-hmm. But that's like a 20-year-old um, myth because today's turbocharged engines are fantastic. The engineering is amazing. Um, and now they're able to make even the 2.3, the four-cylinder engine, tow 5,000 pounds, which I have to say is that's, phenomenal. That's pretty good. So you're going out tomorrow to test this thing. Tell me yes. what someone like you, because you are you are the drive. You're the guy. Yeah. When the industry asks you to step in and test drive something, what are you looking for tomorrow? Well, you know, so many things. Truthfully, I try to uh, just get in the vehicle. And just like everybody else does, I get in the vehicle. I want the vehicle to be very intuitive. I don't want to have to go take a class to learn how to put the car in drive and turn the radio on and off or, you know, mm-hmm. use my, that's what I love about Apple CarPlay. If you've got an Apple phone and you sit down in the car and you, you plug your phone in, and I think now today's Apple CarPlay is even better. If you hook it up the first time, every time you get in the car, automatically your phone will show up on your um, instrument panel of the um the entertainment system to where it's very familiar to you. So again, it's it's very intuitive. And I want to make sure that the vehicle is easy to use so that if I say to my wife, hey, honey, I want you to take this car down to the store. She, I don't have to go give her a lesson in driving this particular vehicle because it's so space age technology that yeah, you know, and, and I, has, I have been, I have been in, I am, I rent a lot of cars, and yeah. so I have sat in airport um, uh, rental places trying to figure out how to start a car. Yeah, and well, it's not just I, I you remember. know put the keys down and put put your foot on the brake and push the button. Right. My son's right. Prius is like space age. Yeah, I remember when BMW came out with what they called the iDrive. And I, I literally, I, I worked for Car and Driver and Motor Trend Magazine both for like 20 years at that point. And I call it the I want to kill myself drive because <laughs> I, I can't figure out how to put it in gear. I don't know how to use this crazy mouse thing in the middle. And there's a learning curve to all these things that, you know, the human machine interface should be intuitive. You should be able to get in a car and there should be a button because now we don't have keys that you put a key in the ignition. Right. You just have a stop start button. You push the button, the car starts up. And if it's a hybrid, it doesn't even start up. It just goes on. But the dashboard will light up and tell you, it's you on. know, <laughs> yeah, that it's on. But, you know, so what What do I look for? Well, yeah, I when wanna, you have it on the road, then, you know, yes, what do you I looking want, for? 
beyond the intuitive human machine interface, I want to make sure that the vehicle is fun to drive because Volkswagen has something called Farfignugan, which means fun of driving. I want to make sure that it's fun to drive, that I haven't been aggravated by the car, by the complexity of it. So once I'm driving down the road, then I go for the seat of the pants feel. How does this vehicle feel to my, to my person? In other words, everything from my seating position, and a lot of times, most of these vehicles, when you're spending $30,000 on up to 50 and 60 and 70,000, depending on what you're buying, you know, they, they have power seats and power windows, and you don't even see crank up windows anymore. So, so all these things should work together to give you proper seating position. You can adjust it up and down. Some of them will have a little crank thing that you can crank your seat up higher if you have a short torso. Some of them have adjustable pedals. So, you know, once you've adjusted it, is the car a pleasure to drive? It should be a pleasure to mm -hmm. drive. It should be a pleasure to own. So all these things um, I look for. I, I go through the twisties. I want If I'm going to drive it in the mountains, I don't want it to have a lot of body roll. And most of these vehicles have done away. They've done such a fantastic job of when you're driving an SUV and you go around a corner, it doesn't feel like it's going to flip over because they've done such a great job of engineering that the car is very stable and linear on the road. And so is if you take it on the mountains and add a trailer to it and mm -hmm. that, you know, I'm talking about that white knuckle drive. If you're driving a vehicle that without a trailer is scary to drive around corners and things, imagine with a trailer on. Fortunately here in 2019 and 2020, our vehicles are so fantastic that they have to really work hard to make a mistake. And to me, some of those mistakes will be this, blind spots. I cannot stand blind spots. I wanna be able to look over my shoulder and I wanna be able to see that I can change lanes. Yeah. And even though we have lane departure, warning systems and all that, I am still of the old school that when you're gonna change lanes, you look in your side view mirror and you tip your head a little bit and you look over your shoulder. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Even if I've got lane departure warning system because what happens if it's malfunctioning or not working, I wanna know. I'm old school, I wanna, yeah. I wanna know. So I just think that, uh, you know, Really, it's the overall experience of how my body feels sitting in the car. Am I comfortable? I drove a BMW the other day, and I was I was actually uh, actually I drove it for a little while. And then my friend, who was a co-driver, drove for a little while. And when you're driving, you get one cessation. And when you're sitting in the passenger seat, you're now on your Facebook. You're checking your email. Yeah. So you know, it's like you know, a lot of people are like oh, I'm getting sick in this car, looking down. If a car is so comfortable or, or an SUV or a truck is so comfortable that you can actually do some work, do some Facebooking and not get sick from the way it feels, mm -hmm. you know you have you know, a, a very spectacular machine because that, that sensation that you feel is because your body is feeling like, I don't know, you know, vertigo is not the right one, but your body is feeling uncomfortable. So it starts to give you a stomach ache and you start right. to get a little yeah. sick. I was doing Facebook for like a half an hour and I said to my friend, I go, man, this is amazing from the passenger seat. So and that's important too. And like when it I, is. When, when I was looking for my new truck, one of the things, I ended up getting the same truck I had before, but um, newer version, but one of the things that's so important to me is the temperature control. Like where that's blowing on you and how much of it is getting in the back seat for passengers. Um, 
I need to be able to use that button really easily. I, I'm always regulating the temperature. So that's that's something that I'm always looking at when I'm yeah. testing. No, exactly. There, there's all kinds of little things. That's why we spend a whole day with it. So let me just tell you a little bit about the uh, 2020 Ford Explorer. They have the four-cylinder, 2.3-liter EcoBoost engine, which is a smaller one. So if you've got like a little teardrop trailer or a tent trailer, perfect. Uh, they have the new 3-liter EcoBoost engine, which is 5,600 pounds. It's only 600 pounds, but it does give you that little little tiny bit bigger trailer pull. Um, but then they also have a hybrid, which has a third engine, the 3.3-liter engine, 10-speed modular hybrid automatic transmission that can tow 5,000 pounds. So you have a 5,000-pound rating, a 5,300-pound rating, and a 5,600-pound rating. It's all very confusing to many people, but make sure you know what your trailer is if you're going to be towing a trailer. Yeah, before you go in to buy. And I just want to point out about that hybrid. It's not out yet, but there's a lot of buzz about it. It's very exciting because... This is one of the first hybrids that can tow. So this is battery-powered and gasoline-powered. And you could right. go 500 miles on a single charge, and you're towing. Right. So for well, people who really care about that kind of thing, and we all should care at some level, but um, for people to whom that is very, very important, this could be something you'd want to look at. You're going to pay for it. It's 50000 yeah, actually, fifty-two thousand seven eighty compared to yeah, compared to the twenty twenty Highlander hybrid at thirty-eight thousand. So, you for if you're gonna buy the Ford Explorer, you could almost buy the Toyota Highlander and a teardrop trailer for the yeah, same price. Yeah, for the same price. Well, let's talk about that Highlander because that was one of my favorites at the New York Auto Show too. Another what? Not out yet. I think they're not coming out until October or November with that one. But it's something right. to watch. Um, that was so technology laden, like everything with the technology. It had a 12.3 inch um, screen on the dashboard. Right on, on the uh, for the entertainment system. By the way, it's interesting, and I'll get to that. Hold on. Uh, if you think you want to buy a hybrid and you're going to pay quite a bit money more for a hybrid, for example, the Toyota Highlander starts at 31,350. Uh, and you can spend up to 48,800 for a, like a loaded loaded one. But if you want the hybrid, you're going to you're going to pay 38,000. So, it's like $7,000 more for a hybrid with Toyota Highlander. Um, they didn't talk about it yet for the Ford Explorer, but AAA says and I have to do a little math modification because when gas was $2.29 a gallon, it takes 12 years to break even to pay the extra money for a hybrid vehicle, 12 years. So right now it's probably more like 10 years because, uh, or, or uh, maybe a little more. Yeah, I think I'm it's the think. other way. Yeah, it's the other way, you're right. gas is more now. More money, yeah. So maybe take well, you no, 14 years. No, no, because actually you get a little better fuel economy with it, so it actually would be the other way. But anyway, point is, it takes a long time to get your money back. So it needs to be a, you know a, one of those things where you're, you're a, a real greenie, if you know what I'm saying. Yes. Um, and also, the Ford Explorer will be offered in all-wheel drive and rear-wheel drive versions. Same with the Toyota Highlander. And I showed the Toyota Highlander on uh, Live with Kelly and Ryan. I saw you. And, and I got to tell you, I like you, I thought they did a beautiful job on the redesign of it. It's a little bit longer, a little bit bigger. The one I showed had four captain's chairs and a third row. So it, it was, you know, it's a bigger vehicle. Um 
I I have to tell you, I think it's beautiful. And the fact I, that it I starts. I thought it was yeah. such a sharp looking. It was so yeah. pretty. I love all the rounded corners on it. It, it was yep. beautiful. It was stunning to look at. I was so impressed with all the technology in it. It seems like it comes with built-in Alexa and Sirius. That's all part of the um, package now. Right. Uh, plus, it has all the technology for letting you know that there's people on your sides and left and right, and 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 the things that keep you in. What is that? Lane assist. Yeah, uh, lane assist. It'll lane break departure. for you if you're coming yep. up on someone and you're not breaking fast enough. So it, they all seem to have that technology now. This Toyota Highlander was particularly pretty. Yeah. No, and, and the other one here, let's just keep going. VW Atlas. Uh, I just got a call from a friend. I, I and I, I said to him, you know, how are you loving your Atlas? And he just loves it. Now that's got a 3.6 liter V6, um, and the they do make two engines for that. But if you're going to tow, it's got a 5,000 pound capacity. You got to get the bigger one, which is 276 horsepower. But that starts around 30 grand. I think the one he bought was like $38,000 because he got one with a big moonroof. And, you know, you can add, you got to be careful. You can really add a lot of money to these vehicles. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you know what? The Atlas, what I loved about that one, and I went through all my show notes from the auto show a couple days ago, and I, I made videos of all of them too. That Atlas had so much storage. Yeah. When you every they all have three rows of seating now. I don't think we saw a single SUV or crossover that had two rows. Everybody has the option, that third seat in the back. So if you want it, it's there for seating seven people, but it folds down. If both rows of seats were folded down, that had ninety six cubic feet of storage space. Wow. Another one, by the way, we should give a nod to is the new Kia Telluride. Now um, you, I don't know much about that. You you tell us about that because I don't I, remember seeing I, that at the show. I love it. And the reason why is because they did a beautiful job designing it. It has, I don't know how to explain it. It has this kind of Indiana Jones flavor going on. Um, we drove one that was dark green and it had a beautiful like saddle leather interior. So it must've been the SX model, which is the uh, the more expensive one. But the base model starts at 33,690, and the SX is more like 45,000 bucks. 3.8 liter, front wheel drive or all wheel drive option. It's bigger than their Sorento, which I always thought they were about the same size, but it is a little bigger. But it also has a 5,000 pound towing capacity. But again, right above 30,000 bucks, and it's beautiful. And I'll tell you something. We had, for my test vehicle, I had the uh, Range Rover HSE, which was $92,000. Oh, my goodness. And they, they dropped off, which can tow. I mean, you, you, if you want to tow a lot, you can tow it. And, again, we're looking at vehicles that tow around 5,000 pounds. So, mm -hmm. uh, But this vehicle, my wife got out of the, the Range Rover and got into the Telluride. And she goes, you know, after she drove it for the day, she goes, you know what? That's what I want because we have two little grandkids now. Mm -hmm. and She's driving too small of a car. She wants she wants them a little bigger. But I said, you want that over the Range Rover? She goes, I didn't like the Range Rover. It was too complicated. Mm -hmm. And it's true. It has that the human machine interface. You have to go to, you know, you have to have a degree in, <laughs> yeah. in technology to use it. So this was very intuitive. Uh, and so we also should talk. And I talked about it briefly. The Subaru Ascent is another seven passenger, eight, seven to eight passenger, but this is a four cylinder again, 
2.4 cylinder, 2.4 liter uh, four cylinder engine. Starts around thirty-one thousand nine ninety-five. You can tow five thousand pounds with that. So many great choices. Uh, and I never yeah. think of Subaru as I, I. They have the reputation for being the outdoor company and very green and get out and yeah. do things, but they don't really build a tow tow vehicle. Now you got to drive the new Ascent. Okay. It's big. It's as big as all these other ones. But do you want to know what the granddaddy of them all is here? Okay, tell our, me. The Dodge Durango. The Dodge Durango, and I got to tell you, one of my friends literally just bought one about five days ago right here in the same complex we're in, and she loves it. It's actually, I'm going to say it might be the biggest one out of these. It's a pretty good-sized SUV, eight-passenger, but here's the deal. It starts around thirty grand again, but they actually make one of these with a SRT package, which is the street and racing technology, not street racing, street and racing technology, that has a 6.4 liter, 475 horsepower Hemi engine that'll tow 8,700 pounds. But, but that's not the one for 30 grand. That's a lot more. The base model is a 3.6 liter, so best in class towing, 6,200 pounds. So that there you go. There's and your you one. And you know what? I got to tell you, Alan, I starred that one from the the auto show because we looked at you know they all start to become a blur and everybody had the same. And then I kind of stumbled on the Dodge Durango at the end of yep. the day. And really, if if I had to pick one myself, I would pick it because it's a little bigger. It yep. had 133 square feet of cargo space in it. But what I really liked about it is the price tag. You get all of those things in it. You get extra towing power, a larger engine in it, 27 miles a gallon on the highway, but it had a base price of 29000 Yeah, Yeah, $29,995, right. No, yeah, it's good. In the auto world these days, that's, that my truck costs twice that. Yeah, well, and you can you can definitely spend twice that if you get the SRT model. And it's interesting because part of that same family – um, the SRT, Street and Racing Technology, that's FCA, Fiat Chrysler Automobiles, which owns Dodge. They own Jeep. They own Ram. They own uh, Chrysler. Um, they own also or Fiat actually owns them. But they also make the Jeep Grand Cherokee, which is interesting. There's so many variations of the Grand Cherokee, which, by the way, also fits into our uh, category with a 3.6 liter, the same engine that's in the Durango, 6,200 pound towing capacity. But they also make one with a three liter diesel, which will tow 6,200 pounds. They make one with a 5.7 liter V8, which is 7,400 pounds. Or they make the uh, Hemi in a Trackhawk version, which is 86 thousand dollars if you oh can find one <laughs> which but that's got the hellcat 707 horsepower engine that is a monster but they start at 31,945 with the laredo so 31 for the laredo 39 for the limited the trailhawk is 44,000 the srt is 68,000 and the trackhawk is 86,000 I'm telling you what, you, you could can buy start, three Durangos. <laughs> I know. You could start with 31000 or spend all the way to 86000 with yeah. the Jeep Grand Cherokee. I got to tell you, my pick, just so you know, yeah. because you know me, I'm a gearhead. 
I am absolutely dying to own one of those Trackhawks with the 707 horsepower. I drove one one day. It's like driving a race car in a Jeep Grand Cherokee. Loved it. Well, Jeep Grand Cherokee. My sister's had a Jeep Grand Cherokee for 10 years, and she traded in a Range Rover for it. She got the Range Rover. It had a refrigerator in the um, in the the armrest. You opened it up, and it was a <laughs> right. refrigerator. I mean, right. and the car went up and down, and it was over... Um, over anal- over technology, it was just too yeah. much, you know, and yep. everything went wrong. And um, anyway, she went back to the Jeep Grand Cherokee, and she's had that one ever since. And people who love those are devotees, and they never leave them. But yeah. I wanted um, our listeners today to get an idea of what is available out there if you don't want to own a big truck. So I really appreciate right. you walking us through some of these vehicles, and I really do want to hear about how you liked your test drive of that new Ford Explorer. Well, we'll do it again. And by, by the way, one last thing, the Kia Telluride also has a 10-year, 100,000-mile warranty from the factory. And if you're concerned about warranty, I bought a Dodge Demon, which is 840 horsepower, and I thought, oh my gosh. I bought an extended warranty, just so you know, bumper-to-bumper extended warranty. I think it was like $2,800 for, uh, it was 96 months like eight years, bumper to bumper warrant. And I added it in, it was an extra like, I don't know, 15, 20 bucks a month. But it was so worth it because I know I am gonna terrorize that vehicle. And some of these, you know, off-road, people wanna go off-roading with their little camp trailers and what have you. And, and, you know, um, things happen. So it's not a bad idea. Didn't yeah. you buy an extended warranty? I on did. I did the extended warranty yeah. on my car, on my F-150, and, and twice I've had to implement it. So I had yeah. um, my wastegate valve replaced, which is something that is common. Uh, it's a common issue with EcoBoost, right. apparently. Um, so that one. was all covered. That was nice to have it covered. And um, I had something other minor go wrong, but it was covered. So, you know what, for the like, it it was inexpensive, not by my husband's standards, because he every times everything (laughs) by the payment and what we're actually paying for it. And I think I paid an additional $1,500 over the course of the payment on that truck to have the extended warranty. So it has not paid for itself yet, but. I plan to be driving that truck for another seven or eight years, so I think it's going to pay for itself. <laughs> well, and I'll tell you something. All it takes is one major little Maybe. thing. But I, I'll bet with that wastegate repair, you probably spent your $1,500 right there or saved it anyway. But I will tell you that uh, I am sold on these extended warranties. The reason is with labor rates being about 100 bucks uh, an hour to $150 an hour, depending on where you live, it pays for itself in, in one, you know, one or two uh, decent size repairs. So I'm, I'm a big um, believer in that. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy I did it. And because I bought that truck for the extended period, I had my old truck for 10 years. I had my car before that for nine years. We really hang on to vehicles at the Pettit House. <laughs> Yeah, and they're transferable, too, so don't Yeah, so that. that's yep. great. Well, that's Alan, it was great having you on the show. I'm sorry I missed you in New York because you, you got sick. You I got know. I ate food something. Poisoning. Food poisoning. Oh. Don't eat lobster in New York City. Oh, you God, don't, restaurant. don't. Well, we'll catch you next time, and you have fun tomorrow out there. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Janine. Okay, take care. Hug those grandkids. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Well, that's our show for today. It's been great fun having Alan come on and talk about all that's new and exciting in the world of tow vehicles. 
I am going to um, attach a list of all the vehicles we talked about today in the blog post that is attached to this podcast. So in case you don't know, each week when I publish the podcast, there is an associated blog post that goes with it. And in that blog post are links for all of the things that we talked about on today's show. And you can get that delivered straight to your inbox by going over to girlcamper.com and signing up. I promise not to bomb you with all kinds of stuff. It's just the weekly podcast. So thank you, Alan, for coming on the show today. I look forward to having Alan again and again because it's great to know some people who are well-placed in the auto world. So thank you, Alan. Now, I also want to thank our friends at Bankston Motorhomes. They have five locations in the Southeast. Huntsville, Alabama, Albertsville, Alabama, and Florence, Alabama, as well as two in Tennessee, Nashville, and Ardmore. They're a number one Best in Business Award winner, and they have been helping families make their RV dreams come true since the 1970s. I always say this, family-owned dealerships are the best. When your name is on that door, you are going to serve people. Your reputation is staked on it. So I find that to be so true about our friends at Bankston's. It doesn't matter what you're looking for, too. They have motorhomes, fifth wheels, travel trailers. Bankston has something for everybody. And they have a lot of our girl camper favorites. They have that Winnebago Travato. They have all the Winnebagos. They have beautiful Class C in the Winnebago Travato. That's one of my favorite. They have the Vintage Cruiser by Gulfstream. They have the R-Pod. And, of course, they have my trailer, the Max. So head over to um, bankstonmotorhome.com, bankstonmotorhomes with an S, .com, and virtual shop there. Or just go over to girlcamper.com and follow the link. I'd also like to thank our friends at Setzer's World of Camping in Huntington, West Virginia, and General RV, another one of our girl camper-friendly dealerships. They have 13 locations across the country. Of course, our friends at Campco, and as always, Liberty Outdoors, makers of that great Max trailer. That is a wrap, everybody. I hope you have a great week. I'll see you at the campground. Happy trails!